you like our armless palmer tea slash lemonade, then you're going to love our new dead billionaire tea lemonade. Why? Because it's the exact same thing, only now it has a way cooler name that won't require us to fight a senseless legal battle with a large enterprise who sent us a letter saying we can't use the word palmer and who are also partnered with a giant iced tea corporation, both of whom have far more money to burn on legal fees than we do. Our new dead billionaire... Sorry. Our new dead billionaire cans have started to trickle out on Amazon and will begin hitting retail shelves in the spring. Experts are predicting potential brawls in retailers as customers fight over the remaining ar- armless Palmer cans before they could become extinct forever and reselling collector's items for billions of dollars. Somebody commented and said, what's funny is that I am assuming the funding and or C-suite of this company is at least multimillionaire uh, level. And honestly, that's the same thing. And they said, correct, every member of our C-suite is actually a multi-billionaire, and each of them owns large yachts with holes made of real human skulls, a.k.a. skull holes. I am just their social media intern and currently writing this while chained to a pipe in the galley of one of the yachts. When the cooks accidentally drop food on the floor back here, that's when I'm allowed to eat. Shout out to Liquid Death for uh, making a drink called Dead, Dead Billionaire. Tea, lemonade, agave, and vitamins. So. You know, comrade liquid death. (laughs) It is kind of heartening to see like even like the epic brands are starting to be like, you know, what? we should just fucking kill rich people. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty funny that like even like, I mean, Sean Fain is wearing like eat the rich shirts, which which kind of cracks me up because he's just like a Gen X looking dude. Um, But yeah, man, liquid death just uh, being like, yeah, well, if you're going to steal us, then our drink's just called Dead Billionaire now. So (laughs) I'm excited to wear the uh, the Pit Viper guillotine blades. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude. (laughs) All right. Come on. Liquid death. Let's let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. Let's we got to do some business. Here. Uh, That's actually, they're a local company. Holler at us, man. I'm Wait, full. are they? They're from Utah. Yeah, they're from Salt Lake. They're, There's they're, no way. Really? Yeah, they're not too far from where Jordan works. I have oh, yeah. No idea. Yeah. Yeah, they're local they based here. Spe- speaking yeah. of another local based uh, beverage company, too. I saw Berry Mocha Espresso being put out by Black Rifle. Which what? feels like the most like sellout thing possible for like, Berry Mocha Espresso. Berry Mocha Espresso. Okay, I can understand like a mocha. Mochas are great. They're just caffeinated hot chocolate. Berry mm-hmm. mocha, but, but berry like, as well, and also three hundred milligrams of caffeine if you want. I can't. To I just like your heart. I'm not gonna be like I, I'm. I'm pro hot fruit. You know, like Al yeah. Pastor is legitimately my favorite food of all time. Uh, but berry coffee sounds like dog shit. Berry coffee. Yeah. Berry chocolate. Berry mocha. Yeah. Okay. We I'm, need I'm, to have a real conversation about caffeine consumption in this country. <laughs> like, we're, we're selling 300 milligram cans of stuff, man. Like that's psychotic. That's like, like Red Bulls have like 75 milligrams. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Like the original Red Bull. Like what, do, what are we doing here? How has this happened? How did we get here? I, I am not an energy drink guy in the slightest. Um, I'm not a pre-workout guy. Uh, I'm usually, I just drink some coffee on my way to the gym in the morning. Uh, but I was out of coffee the other day at my house. Yeah. And stopped at the 7-Eleven and got a C4. <laughs> And I thought that a panic my, attack? I thought that my heart was going to explode while I was doing deadlifts. I I genuinely don't understand how you get to the level of of like of caffeine consumption that you are able to just down a couple C fours and lift. Like that's 
It was insane. Like you wow, have, I, I, you just I feel died. fucking seen right here. <laughs> yeah, how do you? I know you. How do you do time. it? I don't how? understand. Oh, it's amazing. I have a I have a non decaf espresso shot, and like my day is severely damaged. <laughs> like I like I. The bin insane. underneath my seat in the back seat of my truck is just filled with C four. You're just okay. Like cans, like the Michael Scott oh, yeah. fish fillet wrappers in the front seat of the Sebring situation. No, or? I mean like they're full of cans. Like I, when I go to the gym, I just pull one out of the back seat. Drink oh, there you go. Okay, lift. I see. I see. okay. How many milligrams of caffeine do you drink per day? Do you? Think? I, I go with the one that's one fifty. But okay, so yeah. you only have one per day. That's one fifty. Sure, that makes you <laughs> <Okay>. feel better. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, I don't drink more than three, okay? I looked up how much it takes to kill you. I have to drink like <laughs> 35 cans. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's hap- You know that's happened before, right? Somebody's absolutely Dude, OD'd I, I, in their hearts. I mean, that's stopped. what happened with the uh, Panera Bread lemonade. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what happened? <laughs> well, Panera Bread had like a lemonade that had like 300 milligrams in it, but they didn't they, really Panera advertise. Panera Bread was selling a caffeine, a 300 milligram of caffeine lemonade yes yeah and they didn't really advertise it that it had caffeine in it and it didn't really taste like it had caffeine in it and apparently caffeine. someone drank like three of them and died does caffeine have a taste that's insane that is that's just liquid methamphetamine you should they should be they should be charged for yeah that. Um, that should be a wrongful death suit yeah that's psychotic one of my Listen, the this thing type that of mentality is what me. took four loco from us i'm not gonna let it happen there's still four loco at the liquor store man that drink is still not the same is it's it not, not the same well, chuck schumer changed that thanks thanks chuck um yeah the thing that scared me uh i remember the i think it was i, I think it was the world cup but i can't remember which world cup it was when i was a kid um there was some like Japanese dude that tried to stay up for like three days to watch games and oh, he just no. and was drinking just Red Bull and he, and he just died. Like, yeah. <laughs> so stop I, it. I feel like Japan has been like the epicenter for a lot of that because <laughs> yeah. you'll have someone who just like in one of those like 24 hour like internet cafes just playing games and then just yeah. like drinking nothing but like something that's illegal in every other country on earth and yeah their just, homes are all like wa- like lighting styles of the casinos they never know what time it is and they've got these crazy vending machines that just like give them just unlimited treats with caffeine in they them. got yeah. the the shinzo abi abe uh blunderbuss of coffee <laughs> that's exactly right i'm gonna uh, make an energy drink that's just called thingamajig yeah <laughs> doohickey Doohickey. <laughs> uh, it's Brigham Young Money. Hello. Yeah, let's go. Seven minutes into the podcast. Hello. <laughs> we're uh, so good at this. We're so good at this. Okay. First, be, speaking of good at this, how, housekeeping. Uh, we're doing we're doing a, a little bar bash on December twelfth, right? Did I did I get? That yeah. Wrong? Yes. December twelfth oh, at goodness. six p.m. Acme Bar, 837 yeah. East, 2100 South. The former location of Campfire Lounge. Yes. Do, do they still um, have tater tots? I don't My know. My God, I hope so. I we, we can't we can't promise tater tots. Uh, I'm not sure, but essentially, this is it's a we're doing a little bit of a charity bar drive thing. Um, we're donating to Salt Lake City Mutual Aid to the Utah Food Bank. We're asking people. Uh, to bring warm, bring warm clothes to donate or non-perishable food to donate. That'll get you in the door. Um, we're just trying to get people to come out, donate, have a good time, hang out, uh, hang out with friends. That's literally it. 
some of whom we may not have met yet, but we're doing that. So uh, if you want to come out and hang out uh, with us and other people, you don't even have to hang out with us. You can hang out with other people that are there. You can ignore me for all I care. That's fine. You, you know, you can hate me. That's cool. Most, but as long as you come do and donate, that that's good. you can't hate Jordan. But you, as long as you come and donate, it's for a good cause. Please do that. It'll be really fun. Yeah. It'll be really great. I also reprint all our decals. They'll be there, too. So just come on out. Oh, yeah. Jordan's giving away decals. That's that's a good sell. Two weeks um, from today. Two weeks from today. Today's Tuesday. It is. Tuesday, it's the uh, December November 12th. 28th. Yep. We're almost there. Uh, 6 p.m. Acme. Sugar House. Is that technically Sugar House? Yeah, it's Sugar House. Okay, That's cool. like the heart of Sugar House. It's the headwaters of Sugar House, I would say. Yeah. Um, perfect. Yeah. For some reason, that felt too west to be Sugar But anyway. Um, well, Sugar House goes thing, all the way down, like technically goes down to this, like State Street. Does it go all the way down to State? Yeah. That's oh. like, the locals call it Sugar Hood. My, okay. uh, I have I We, we have don't use that, that term area. here because that's... <laughs> <laughs> one very colloquial and old and outdated yeah. because all that stuff is now like multi-million dollar yeah it's problems. true it's all gentrified to shit it's now awesome. um the second thing speaking of which uh salt lake democratic socialists of america some of whom may be joining uh at the bar bash go um, on out folks know. yeah please do uh we're we're dsa members so there you go do that um they are there's a there's a salt lake salt lake city housing for all coalition uh trying to push for social housing um they have a petition that they are pushing around right now and we will put the link to the petition in the bio of this episode please go to the link and sign the petition um trying to get some interest gauge some interest um and eventually help get out the word about trying to get you know, social housing on the ballot. That was something that came up quite a bit in the mayoral race that just, uh, just ended. Mercifully. <laughs> yeah. Mercifully mer- ended. <laughs> in Shaw law. Yeah, it was, uh, it was nasty, but the, the petition is, it takes like one second to sign. Um, it's tr- trying to get the mayor to put it on the ballot. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's that. Please go to the link in the bio for that. Uh, and speaking of the mayoral race, like Jordan mentioned mercifully, it did end. Uh, Aaron Mendenhall, the incumbent, defends her seat against rambunctious Rocky. The queen retains the crown. <laughs> yes, uh, it didn't end up being that close in the end. I think I don't. I didn't even look at the final results. I mean, shout out to uh, Angela for basically calling it on this show. She did. She really did. Um, we heard a lot about how Rocky wasn't uh, campaigning <laughs> on the street, I guess. Unless like, you call uh, doing replies to Cornell West and writing, uh, <laughs> yeah, writing War and a Peace, myth. the tweet. <laughs> yeah, he, writing a notice me senpai to Cornell West in like the form of like, I don't know. Was that just a copy paste? Of, like, for a, those who didn't know what PR happened here, release? it was yeah, a full I, fucking CV. It was crazy. Cornell West uh, came to Salt Lake uh, because he's trying to get on the ballot here. Um, he talked about ranked choice voting, but he also endorsed uh, candidate for mayor Michael Valentine, um, who we talked about 
not super seriously, God bless him, as as a candidate for uh, mayor, one who tried to form an official coalition with Rocky at one point and then like ended that coalition like two days later um, in a bizarre turn of events. And he is very anti Rocky now. It's 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 been very confusing. Michael has a very unique Internet presence on his own. Um, anyway, he did an event with Cornell West. And when Rocky saw that Cornell West was doing an event with Michael uh, instead of him, he wrote a what can only be described as a manifesto on Twitter, uh, one that pushed the the like almost created a, a second tier of checks needing like an even lengthier tweet because it was I've never seen a tweet. He I genuinely extendo clip. He it, it was a seat. It had links. It was there were citations. It footnotes essentially on his <laughs> it tweet. Was a it was like a Norman Finkelstein novel. It it seriously was it was unbelievable. It was yeah the it was Finkelstein esque in 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 the citations. It was crazy. Um, basically being like, why aren't you endorsing me? Which I guarantee Rocky didn't even know Cornell West was probably coming to Utah or even try. He had one paid staffer from what I've heard, and um, yeah. That's not, I guess that's not how you win. I think he just thought he was going to win on name recognition, quite honestly. He's an older man. He's not going to go to door to door uh, and campaign. So in retrospect too, and this is like full, like armchair, like, you know, strategist, like like hindsight's 2020. Let's say that much. It really feels like around September, the vibes like permanently shifted. And like, that was it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like, Initially on the campaign, when Rocky started running, what, like the real start of his campaign was like what March or so. That's when yeah. the the signs all started going out. When when did he? He said he was running when he came on our podcast, right? Like he was. Yeah, yeah but like that was officially last like kicking. That was off a year and, and a half ago, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I started seeing signs beginning of this year, like in early spring. Yeah, I think it was like right at the end of winter and all that too, and it felt like a lot of momentum behind him, mm-hmm. and that all just dissipated because there was no like kinetic force pushing that forward. Like everything just like kind of paused and like his only presence was really online. Like he got endorsements from like Cam Gardner and like David Abara, which is not really going to set anything on fire because yeah, yeah, they are who they are. He was, it was a fully online campaign in that like anytime there was a Salt Lake Tribune or any other outlet, that has an article where there are comments enabled. He was in the comments just like arguing with people. I'm like, what are we like? What are we doing here? Dude? That's a really good way to build a coalition. I just like is- and maybe, you know, I'm not going to say that like, I don't, I, you know, when, when, you, when you espouse something like social housing, you're, you're going to get unfairly maligned. Like that's just that's what's going to happen because moneyed interests do not like when you you try to fight against uh, their interests. And so that's, that's one thing Rocky very, very ungracefully talked about the issue of homelessness um, in a way that I think turned a lot of people off that like, that felt like the death knell to be honest. Yeah. When every, when you literally just had everyone being like, what do you do? Like you can't post what are you posting these emails that had images that like it was just it was way too much it was bizarre um the, i mean yeah i think the biggest mistake of this whole election was 
making it a referendum on Mendenhall because, and like also just using like the state of the city too, because if you talk about like the city is like, you know, it's, uh, it's fucking Mad Max or, you know, demolition man or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Like any sort of post apocalyptic movie. And like the people who were voting in that election, like overwhelmingly, like, but I like where I live. You're yeah. going to lose those people. Like that's, that's the problem with that. And you can only get so much off of negative mobilization. Like we, we learned that in 2016. Like if you just run like, like a Hillary Clinton campaigns, like we have to stop him except for it's about like a mayor who just wants to build more bike paths. Yeah. It's not going to work because there's not really yeah. much to mobilize against. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a mess. Um, anyway, but it's over. <laughs> It is over. Aaron, one thing I would Aaron's love to point out back. about this one too is just like, and then we're just going to leave it that too. Is like, Aaron Mendenhall was the only one that mentioned organized labor on her website. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. which is really funny when you think like you have two candidates who are trying to run from outsides against like an establishment candidate. And all that. The only way you're going to do that is through like trying to pick up momentum when it comes like organized labor and also like trying to pick up disaffected voters. Nothing they did ever affected that. Yeah. Well, and we joked about it a lot, but she was like literally the only one who ran an actual campaign. If you go and you look at, at not only Aaron Mendenhall's website, but on her Twitter, like she has voter signups and talking about canvassing and knocking on doors and like, you know, actually doing the things that get politicians elected. Yeah, she instead was of just the- being online and writing manifestos and like being a reply guy. Yeah, she was having the county Democratic Party phone bank for her too. Like yeah. she had every like institutional advantage. What she did was she shored up every single part of the political spectrum to make sure she was okay. Mm-hmm. On the left hand, on the left wing, she had the unions that were shoring her up on that side too, yep. because she's the only one that bothered to actually court them in the first place. On the right-hand side, she had Cox, she had Herbert, she had the cops. Like, she locked down everything. Yep, she had it all. She had it all. The the kingdom's in her hands. And the funny thing about all this is, she didn't expand her electoral victory any more than she did in 2019. Nope. Like, still the exact same 58% as she had in 2019. Yeah. So what that says to me is, like, she was extremely vulnerable if you ran an actual fucking campaign. (laughs) <laughs> but no one did so you know uh, <laughs> so sucks to suck he's closed yeah um final note before the hell the hell lines uh shout out to derek chauvin so <laughs> um hopefully recover soon um <laughs> apparently he overdosed in prison <laughs> uh, happy shanksgiving folks listen prove to me it wasn't an, an overdose okay prove to me the onus is on him to prove that he yes, was not absolutely. on drugs when he was stabbed. Um, Greg, Shall well, we? actually, Jordan, give us the intro, and then Greg, take it away. Take take these hell headlines and run with them, huh? I worked hard on this. I know. Welcome to Every time I play that, I I still remember I'm blocked by the lead singer of Disturbed. <laughs> so sick! I'm so excited about this one. Right. I, this is the oh man, I'm so I'm so excited, dude. This really is just like just a blooming onion of 
absolute lunacy, just layers upon layers. So (laughs) (laughs) it's just like, it's like a fuckery lasagna. Oh, it's so good. All right. Uh, Hell line number one, the cry of freedom. So this is from the Salt Lake Tribune. (laughs) A new lawsuit has been filed against Tim Ballard and Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes. The fourth filed against Tim Ballard and OUR alleges Reyes, Ballard, and OUR deprived a Utah woman of her right to free speech as well as uh, intimidation. The lawsuit also states that Sound of Freedom had a sequel in the works called Cry of Freedom, and it was partially written by Reyes' Don't Make Me Laugh. (laughs) In an email, Reyes, shut up. I'm sorry. Sean Reyes is like the corniest dude ever, and I love that he was – like it's so – yeah. Oh, it's so good. Dude, when I found out that he was a Mormon uh, bishop, it it could not be – more perfect yeah i didn't actually know that. no that one was, i didn't know that either I until came I out in this. this lawsuit right yeah did they mention that yeah that he was like a former bishop and he yeah. has such incredible mormon bishop energy all right anyway let's get back to this uh <laughs> In an email Reyes sent to Ballard in which he proposes a scene for a movie based on Ballard's story that features himself as a character, Attorney General David Reyes, as an early 40s, energetic Hawaiian slash Hispanic slash Asian of larger build, (laughs) former MMA fighter, now elected official in the movie and highlighting his own involvement in anti-trafficking efforts. Oh my God, he's doing the Ben Shapiro bear of a man sort of thing he's he's the biggest man i've ever seen in my entire life (laughs) he's really big and he's strong and he can fight you because he went and he uh used to fight mma which stands for mixed martial arts he's also mixed uh ethnically because he's hawaiian slash hispanic slash asian that's great yeah i love it anyway the uh the woman who filed the suit uh suzanne whitehead works for a nonprofit that does anti-trafficking work in nepal according to the suit filed monday in third district court whitehead had a publicly challenged our's claims about how many children the group had rescued the quality of the care of the children received afterward and accused our of taking credit for work she says her organization had done now uh several representatives of our including ballard contacted whitehead super Supervisor, the suit alleges, asking her to delete social media posts and stop criticizing the organization. Uh, apparently, Whitehead went kind of buck wild on the Facebook posts. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah, it should be noted that she is now one of like all, all the other women suing Tim essentially for other reasons have all now put their name on the record, including one of the the, the, the women. Her husband um, is part of the uh the, the folks that are suing Tim, they're all now their names are out there and their faces yep. are out there and they're all public about it. So this just adds to the public lawsuits. All right. There's a little bit more to this story. Around that time, Reyes, who is close friends with Ballard, also called and sent a text message to the woman's supervisor, the suit suit alleges according to a text thread including in the suit the supervisor told another our representative that reyes had called and he would be willing to speak with reyes but insisted whitehead should be able to say what she wants uh and uh who is it sean reyes's office came out with a an official statement about the the lawsuit today and it says quote as the complaint itself supports the attorney general sent a single text and made a few phone calls seeking to find common ground between two ngos he regrets if his communication was viewed in any other way 
and contributed to feel feeling of undue pressure. He trusts the impartial court processes to prove his motives and actions were appropriate and legal. You know, I don't know what really threw Whitehead off more. Uh, was it Sean Reyes calling her allegedly calling her a cunt or a bitch? I, I, is that way? That's part of the lawsuit. No, I'm just. Oh. I'm here to I, start I, shit. It really is. Fun. That statement is so amazing too, because it's like a, it's like a mafioso saying like I wasn't there to intimidate this business into giving us collection money. I was just there to do quality assurance of their products. Just a, a very Jimmy Jimmy Hoffa and Cord ass statement. It's so crazy. Like, you know, I yeah. never called that woman a cunt. This man is the attorney general of Utah. <laughs> and he, like, cannot be, like, overstated that this is, he is literally the, the state's law guy. Like, the, the main law He is the top law, law enforcement officer for the state. Do you think and, he gave her, did you think he, like, I don't know, texted her a bunch of, like, shaka bra dude. emojis? <laughs> He's so leave my bra, Tim alone, dude. Shaka bra. To act like, oh, I'm, you know, a single text message from the attorney general of the state of Utah doesn't carry weight of like a threat. Like, of course it does. Of course it does. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> like that is so insane that he, like, obviously this guy's an idiot. But like, so much of this behavior is so unbelievably inappropriate. So he admits to the text message, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it also should also be noted over the last few weeks, uh, Governor Gary, Her- former Governor Gary Herbert endorsed a different uh, a different person for the for the for attorney AG. general race. Yeah, um, he was the one that initially p- appointed Reyes, I believe. Um, so the tides are Sounds definitely bad. turning on this guy. Spencer Cox, I, I can't imagine who has di- tried to distance himself quite a bit or has remained very aloof from OUR and Tim Ballard all this time cannot be stoked that his attorney general is sending uh, definitely not threats to other human anti-trafficking organizations uh, about their social media posts. Like in what world is it appropriate for the attorney general to send uh, that type of text message? General, Like it's so annoying. Like it's so easy to be like, yeah, this is just some idiot guy, but like he's literally the attorney general. This is the type of thing that you would sit your brother down and have a conversation with him about. Yeah. And let alone the attorney general. Dude, if a cop is like sending just a normal ass like beat cop is sending like messages about like your social media posts like that. That's insane. <laughs> but this guy is I mean, this is general. just like that Eric Adams thing where they had the cop stop yeah. by and talk to the guy who was turning like evidence for the feds. Yeah. Do you so remember we were the... just there to make sure his health was good. Uh, nothing else. Just securing the perimeter. Yeah. It's so crazy, man. There's. And there's been other like OUR updates, like small ones, like Tim Ballard changed his Facebook status to separated for <laughs> his relationship, which is crazy. One thing I've been thinking about a lot, and and I, I asked Anna Merlin her thoughts on this like a couple months ago, but like, what do you get? Like the dynamic with his wife is so weird because I genuinely couldn't get a sense of whether or not she genuinely believed what Tim was saying, like the bullshit that he, he was espousing. No, when they I, went on, no idea. When they went on What's His Face's show, Adam Carolla's. Yeah. Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla's show. Like, she seemed the man show guy. Yeah. She, she seemed like I couldn't, I cannot get a read on her. And like, it does not surprise me. It would not surprise me if she genuinely had bought into so many of the lies he was telling and there was some threshold that was crossed where she was like, oh, I've, 
Like he's been lying to me this whole time. I don't know. You know what's Bizarre. really incredible to me too is like he had so many people like like Tim Ballard had so many people wrapped around his finger too. Like apostles of the church, the attorney general of the state, former coaches of the Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> current um, coach of the Pittsburgh. He's still there. Oh, he's still there. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike Dalman never left. Uh, I, th- I, th- I th- wait. When did he- I thought he became like a commentator? No, you're you're thinking of. Uh, I don't know, but he's been there for the entire Damn, time. Damn, I thought he left. Um, okay, sick. He's still awesome. there. Um, but it, it's funny, too, because like you see this, and then you hear Tim Ballard speak, and you can just hear the fucking DTs come off his voice. And he's like, yeah, okay. You um, you fell for like the dumbest cop in America. Yeah. Yep. It's like, I don't even understand it, too, because like none of the stories he tells are like really that compelling. Or, no, they're really like, not. You just... I don't know. It's incredible. I think like they just fall in love with like people a just like wanted story. to believe in the story, man. People like really were. I think a lot of it is, is exactly that. Like it was a story that like is pretty easy to get behind. Yeah, you know, and I think it's pretty easy to like misconstrue things and see him as somebody who's doing real good. He also happens to be extremely good at being a con man, or at yeah. least was for a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I Dude, mean, like it, yeah. it's it's funny because like you hear this great man theory of him. And he's like, and then like this stories come out too. Is like, oh yeah, I was just doing horse tranquilizer and talking to a Benadi or something. Just yeah, just hanging out with a with a uh, what do you even call that? The uh, the fortune teller. Yeah, the second <laughs> doing yeah. ketamine. You're going Dude, to it's... meet the Rocket Man, Elon. The thing is, like with famous people, like there needs to or people with more power. You know, Sean Reyes. I, like I, I don't know, but like people that like have a higher standing in society for whatever reason, whatever they do, there needs to be like a higher threshold for the type of stuff that they endorse. And I think there tends to be like people have managers, people have like, you know some types of checks normally where they're like, I'm not going to endorse something with my name if I have a big. But if I if I am very popular or whatever else, I'm not going to put my name to something that I don't trust. But for like the average person, like, you know, the church was putting was, you know, he was doing firesides for the church, like for the youth and for whatever else. So like uh, you're they're, you're getting the explicit endorsement from the church for however long um, there's that. And then like the dynamic that existed in 2020, the uh, Instagram infographic wars that took place where everyone was like, I need to, you know, show that I care about stuff. And like, right. I, I think rightfully so people are like showing that they do care about things. And I think that's important, but then I think there are people that, you know, didn't want to say, I, you know, black lives matter. And so they're like, I want to care about something else. And child trafficking yeah. became like a huge thing. And then Tim Ballard perfectly seized the moment. Um, and he rode the QAnon wave and was, flew very close to the sun and then it turned out his movie was made before the QAnon stuff so they were bummed but then and then it turned out he was a Freemason as well so um I don't know man he like hit the he hit that wave perfectly and like at the height of his powers like just everything he like why he had to have known he was going to get found out eventually unless he, I, I, I cannot believe. I don't know. He, he seems like a he... genuine narcissist with like some real yeah. live, like delusions yeah. of grandeur. I mean, I also just want to touch on like everything that you've already said along with like, there's just so much built in plausible deniability when it comes to what Tim Ballard was doing. It's so easy, like to just look at somebody who may have a disparaging thing to say about, Oh, you are, 
and just point the finger or ask, you know, oh, so you're against child trafficking? Yeah. So, I mean, like it's just, it's a very, there are, there are a lot of like easy counter arguments to any sort of backlash you may get. I mean, sure. this is the thing about pathological liars is they think that there's one more lie that can get them out of it. Yeah. And like, I, I think this is the same exact thing too. Like every single like degradation and just complete humiliation that Tim Ballard has gone through, he's still maintaining is like, nope still going strong <laughs> yeah i didn't do anything wrong yeah. as a matter of fact you can buy this green blend uh this green label <laughs> well, how much uh, how much have we seen here? that we've seen that so much yeah. especially yes. with conservatives of just doubling and tripling and quadrupling down and like this i it's it's like i know i've said it before but i want to hammer it home again it seems like there's just an entire fucking generation of people with oppositional defiance disorder totally but he even lost those people like he he he's lost yeah. so many people like the only people what happens he hasn't when you're lost. a freemason yeah dude it's like <laughs> losing losing glenn beck like how do you lose glenn beck glenn beck cut ties to for his own liability he, not only that but like he tattled on him yeah it, Yes, exactly. Losing Glenn Beck and like that, so many of those other like concert like random conservative cop YouTube podcast guys or whatever, they're like, oh, I've looked into this a bit. <laughs> like, no one, no one is sticking their neck out for for Tim at all. The no, only person I, is like Sean. Has Ray there is been really, anyone who's come to his defense since all of this dropped? I can't think of a single. Initially, person. Glenn Beck. Initially, Initially some uh, people did. But, that that mother daughter evidence. team that did their podcast and their oh kitchen. yeah 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 that's right yeah the, uh, the, the yeah, mommy he's daddy he he's only the, getting the like the most psychotic people between blockers. the ages of yeah. like thirty and sixty. When your only base of support that's left are people who think that like Tom Hanks has been executed multiple times because he's a clone, I don't know what to tell you. You're Dude, kind of his, in, you're, you're in bad straits. One of his like main opponents on. Twitter that like local guys who I don't think is local anymore is is like was he I can't remember what he did for Mike Lee but he was like his like social media guy for oh the Michael whatever. Jolly guy yeah he's like yeah. like this is not <laughs> this isn't a partisan thing like it, it definitely became like a oh yeah the, everyone is the, the rats are running like yeah <clears throat> anyway let's move on that there's there's so much we could we could go on for another seven hours i love it i could talk about tim forever and we have lord he's knows a, we he's have a, he's a special guy yeah. it's a special guy greg right. number two oh, yeah i gotta do, i gotta do that it's my job um, <laughs> <You're good. laughs> sorry i was i was looking at uh memes <laughs> nice happens to all, all right. of us <laughs> i'm so good at my job i was watching matt rife videos yeah oh god <laughs> he had a great special i laughed the entire Dude, way through one thing that he, he went on uh he went on tana montague's podcast and he was like i have so many haters and the reason that everyone hates me is because they're jealous like i realized that all the people i've hated in my life is because i was jealous of them and tana was like what do you think about people who hate osama bin laden <laughs> just fucking <laughs> ace <laughs> All right. That's an awesome uh, one. On a completely different and much more Sorry. depressing <laughs> note. thinking about it. This is a story from uh, Ken Klippenstein at Ugh. The Intercept. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Joe Biden moves to lift nearly every restriction on Israel's access to U.S. weapons stockpile. 
the White House has requested the removal of restrictions on all categories of weapons and ammunition Israel is allowed to access from U.S. weapons stockpile stored in Israel itself. By easing virtually all limits on Israel's use of the stockpile, Biden could undercut U.S. military preparedness and congressional oversight. With the WRSA uh, dash I, uh, Biden is looking to lift virtually all the meaningful restrictions on the stockpile and the transfer of its arms to Israel with plans to remove limitations to obsolete or surplus weapons, waive an annual spending cap on replenishing the stockpile, remove weapon-specific <sighs> restrictions, uh, and curtail congressional oversight. All of the changes in the Biden budget plan would be permanent, except for lifting the spending cap, which is limited to the 2024 fiscal year. Can I just you, can I just say something just really quickly? Because sure. it's it's been on my mind a lot because I'm starting to see more now that the election is is officially uh, less than a year away. You're starting to get a lot of liberals who are panicking and doing the whole like uh, if you don't vote for Biden, you are a Trumpy fascist. Like basically, you know, you're you're worse than yeah. Pol Pot kind of thing. Um, and, you know, especially the whole argument is like, if you don't, if you don't support Biden wholeheartedly, you are a fascist and you are ushering in fascism. And I would just like to say that something like this and the uh, wholehearted, full-throated uh, support of what is no less than a genocide going on right now feels pretty fucking fashy to me so it seems like that's already there yeah I think liberals are just burning through that powder really fast i mean yeah it's it's you want to save it a little really bit of that. you got 12 months to go and you're that's, already that's going my with thing it. too dude the timing is like the weirdest part to me and that's what makes it feel so like disingenuous like you yeah, yeah you yeah. care more about like scolding people on the, and it's not even just people on the left, man. Like you look at the splits on on who supports like a ceasefire and who is like these aren't like there are there are thousands and thousands, tens and hundreds of thousands of conservative yes. Muslim and Arab people in this country who like more tend to more tend to be more conservative, probably wouldn't vote for Trump, but are not going to vote for Biden because of his support for what's happening here. Like this isn't just like a scolding the left type of thing. And that's why I think the hand wringing on Twitter is so bizarre because if you think that this is something that's confined to the discourse on Twitter, or if you are essentially what it, what it says to me is that they are that people like that will Stansel guy are placing <laughs> a value of the discourse on Twitter above the actual actions of politicians and the feelings that people have about those actions that take place outside of the like online vacuum. And not to say that, that what takes place online doesn't have like a real world material impact, but like buddy, like the problem isn't people caring about something on Twitter. And if there are a bunch of zoomers and people online saying, I'm not going to vote for Biden because he's doing that. That's not a problem. That's unique to Twitter. Like that's reflective of a feeling that exists. And they all do the same thing. Like they do the hand wringing about, he was doing it today about the economy and he was doing it yesterday about the economy too. Like people's feelings about the economy. And he was like, there's no way 18 to 29 year olds care about mortgage interest rates. Like that's, they would not be mad about the, I'm like, how many times I was like, when I, between the ages of 20 and 30, I can't tell you how many times I heard friends say, I'm probably just never going to buy a house. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, I, that was just a thing that my friends would say when we were like in our early twenties, like, yeah, we would, I didn't know what the mortgage interest rate was, but you could get the general sense of the conditions that like, yeah, it's pretty unlikely. I'm going to be able to afford a home in the place I live. So when you have rents skyrocketing, home prices skyrocketing, like, and, and you're trying to ha- like scold people and tell them that the economy's good or tell them that Trump would be worse about Israel. It's like, what, like, come on. <laughs> like, it's also you know, you, a good thing that like interest rates only affect housing prices and not other things that like, you know, people need like dude. cars or, you know, paying off credit cards or things like that. Like or all these sort what of things. has been a massive thing in Utah jobs <laughs> like yes, right. interest yeah, rates that's... going up means jobs uh layoffs also go up and jobs go down like trying to get a job right now is incredibly difficult uh thousands and thousands of people in utah specifically have been laid off because of the change in in interest rates the rise in interest rates so it's like yeah <clears throat> but all that to say greg uh to your point like and jordan what you said like the the scolding man and especially this early on like how can you look at like what's taking place and be like what i'm gonna care about is what people are saying online against joe biden and not to be like wow a lot of people care about this bad thing joe biden is doing maybe that should be where i focus my attention do you know what i find the most egregious though is it's not necessarily like the oh well you guys are just delusional about the economy stuff what i find egregious is the you know what if you don't vote for republicans then they're just going to do the racist things that they want to do, which also feels like a very transference of like, actually, I want this thing to happen, but I don't want, I've I don't want people to like, do okay, it. your vote, you're essentially allowing the guy that's going to kick you out of the country. Like, ho- yeah, hope you're happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's plausible it's like, deniability to support like yeah. racist policy. It's crazy, I'm seeing dude. so much of that, like, oh, fuck around and find out kind of attitude. Yeah, don't vote for Joe Biden. He'll just deport you. It's like, <laughs> like we it. saw that whole thing with like, it's crazy, uh, man. Like the 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 deportation and just all of the the bullshit that uh, what's his fucking name in Texas? What's the oh Greg Abbott was doing? Yeah, and it's like oh well, uh, this is what you get for voting Greg Abbott into office. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the other thing is like yeah. essentially, yeah, uh, yeah. The people like people that live in red states, it's like well, that's what you get for living in a red state. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, as if as if a lot of people have choices or, you know, that that politics is just once again, rival football teams that yeah, yeah, man, people are sometimes just born places and yeah, the, uh, generally stay there because Republicans are fucking <laughs> Ohio State and <laughs> Democrats yeah. are Michigan. I yeah. also like it. It also feels just like fairly fashy. I know that's like a stupid word to describe things but it does when like you see the backlash of what's happening when anybody says anything against what's going on in in palestine right now that like rashida talib is getting censured and you're seeing like susan sarandon getting dropped by talent agencies and yeah you know like just multiple there's like there's just such a laundry list at this point of people who have lost jobs and representation and had their livelihoods fucked with for opposing what's going on. That yeah. seems pretty anti-democratic if you ask me. Yeah. And it's yeah. always been, a, it's been a thing forever. Like, um, yeah, like the, these, these groups that exist, the, the, the money to protect, to protect uh, yeah. speech about like, 
you know, and support anyone that supports like Palestine for, you know, decades now has been on the shit list. That's how Barry Weiss made a career out of her whole thing is that she when she was a, a student at Columbia, she was trying to get professors fired who had were sympathetic to Palestine. Like that was or her were whole... Palestinian themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. just amazing. I mean, it's no real surprise because I mean, like they've like it's 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 impossible because it's been such ingrained it's like the institutional like support channels of of like america like both parties for for decades now like we haven't had a politician that was actually like willing to like hold israel a task since george hw bush and right. like that was it yeah yeah man and i don't know it's it's there's just so many i i i, I guess i haven't talked about this on on pod with you guys yet but like the whole, um, like some of the, the the most ardent like anti-Zionist people that I've like I I, I know or I've seen are are Jewish, <laughs> yes. and the conflation of those two things continues to create uh, more danger for Jews. Like when when you hear, I was listening to something from this Jewish guy in, in New York today, who was talking about like the rise in anti-Semite anti-Semitism. Um, as being a direct result of a sovereign nation state saying that it's doing what it's doing to like another people on behalf of Jews across the world and how it feels to have a country saying that they're protecting you and they're using your name to kill other people, uh, women, children, like, and just to see like the horrible images and then essentially feeling like you have some responsibility or blame for that. I, man, I, um, There was, I, I was like, I was in Arizona last week and I was just like wandering around in the desert one day and I was, <laughs> I was listening to a really good True and On episode and I can't remember which one it was, but the end of the episode, um, they, uh, Liz was reading from, I can't, I don't, I can't remember which book it was from Naomi Klein. Um, Naomi Klein is a, is a really great uh-huh. resource and person and, uh, on, on this topic on a lot of, on a lot of stuff, but like. She had this whole thing about like the bargain that was made in order to essentially have this layer of protection as a Jewish person um, and how she came to the conclusion that the bargain that was made, this deal isn't worth it. Like that it's the cost is is clearly too high. And like what's been done in her name, what's been done in millions of Jews across across the globe in their name, um, the deal is not worth it anymore. Uh, and maybe, you know, probably never was but um i don't know man like someone like the i think it takes like a lot of bravery and it's it's got to be so difficult to have like that historical weight placed on you as a jewish person um i mean to speak out against like those those types of things because there is a there was a deal that was made and there you know for for generations that are closer to the holocaust um the holocaust has been used to justify a lot of a, a, a lot of suffering and I think there's an idea of Israel that a lot of people have in their heads that, um, you know, or, or, or you know, are, are taught at that Hebrew school. Often Sam Cedar on the majority report has mm-hmm. talked a lot about this too. Cause he, um, he also wound up on De- uh, Dennis Prager's show today, <laughs> which is super Crazy. funny. He got, he snuck onto his show to talk about this concept, but essentially, um, you know, like the, you, you're taught this from a young age and it takes it's, it's really hard to get that out of to, to, to see Israel for what it is and what it's been doing. Um, 
it's not even a safe place for Jews. The, the, the cell of Israel is that you're creating a safe place for Jews, but it's very clearly not a safe place for Jews. I don't know. I it's, mean, just look at the crazy. coalition partners for Zionism when it comes down to it, too. When you have people like John Hagee at this March for Israel. Sam brought that up to Dennis Prager. Yeah. John Hagee's whole purpose in this is to use Jews as cannon <clears throat> fodder to get Jesus to come back. Yeah, like, John, right. John Hagee was the one that said uh, that it was God's plan for Hitler to do the Holocaust. Right. Yeah, like it's incredible to me because like the majority of Zionists are not Jews. They're they're evangelical Christians. And and they're Mormons too. Like this is like apocalyptic religion wants this to happen because they think it will open up the seals. Like that's the incredible thing about this is. Like it's just yeah. they don't want peace because violence and bloodshed is what is what their end goal is because they think it's going to end with the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, holy shit. Yeah, man. Um, that's the whole, <laughs> that's the, that, that's the whole thing. It's, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's just pretty crazy. So seeing like the actions that like Jewish voices for peace and some other groups like that, um, have just been, uh, it's been, it's been great to see. Sorry. It's, we're like way far off the topic from the original, uh, yeah, we are thing but and i don't know just, i just it, yeah of, it's a, just a, a snowball of, of everything that's gone on yeah and it's just really i don't know biden being a true believer in what the original cell of israel and what it was supposed to be is like he's really his age is a huge problem yes uh, on this yeah. on this topic in particular i was talking with you guys and this and friends the other day like i'm not sure there's a there's somebody that's been closer to like in the in the sphere of running for president or whatever on the democratic side that could possibly be worse on, than on this issue than him. Like he yeah. is uniquely connected to Israel in a way that even like Barack Obama, for instance, was not. And like Joe Biden was the one keeping close to Netanyahu, um, uh, like during the Obama administration, like oh, Obama was, was pretty chilly to Netanyahu and it, and Joe Biden was, has always been the connection to Israel and like, the incredibly far right governments. And then I don't know, man, it's just crazy. Like every day that goes by, you just see more and more, you know, elected officials in Israel uh, or, you know, former elected officials or people that are in various states of, uh, or positions in the government, essentially just being like, no, yeah, what we're trying to do is, is ethnically cleanse that area or like essentially yeah. we're trying to get everyone out of that area. And then you have Americans that say, Oh, you know, that's not like we, we want them to be a little bit more surgically precise, but like they uh, are they're running, not they're like, running dude, the absolute worst PR campaign I have ever they're seen. Like, it's they're unbelievably saying it. they're bad. literally saying it. And like to have American officials continually defending this, like Ronald Reagan is to the left of of Joe Biden on this or was, yeah. I guess. God rest yeah. his soul. Um, I, I'm just tired crazy. of seeing that. I'm it's tired crazy. of seeing that John Kirby psycho. That's the one. Oh, that, oh god! Yeah. Every time but, they bring him out, it's like, oh god, this is going to be something that's just going to make my stomach churn. Yeah. yeah. All right. Should we go through these next two, or should I just cut them and we'll go to the reading series because we're already at <laughs> what, fifty what minutes? Oh my god, we are fifty minutes. In. Let's just cut them anyway. Uh, just I'll just say it really quickly, and then we can move on. Uh, 
Trammel Trammel, that's his fucking name. Uh Trammel Crow Jr., a Texas philanthropist and the brother of Republican mega donor and Clarence Thomas Sugar Daddy Harlan Crow, is facing a lawsuit that accuses him of running and participating in a sex trafficking ring. Uh and Ed O'Connor is real. Yeah. Uh, newly released transcripts from the U.S. House January 6th committee shed further light on Utah Senator Mike Lee's role in a plan to put forward fake electors and attempt to uh, overturn Joe Biden's victory. In an interview, conservative lawyer Cleta Mitchell told the U.S. House Select Committee uh, that the alternate alternate elector plot hatched in the aftermath of 2020 was Mike Lee's idea. <laughs> Of course he's cool you know he's a great lawyer you know that because his dad was solicitor general and he had to go to byu (laughs) yeah that should tell you everything you know about mike lee's legal career yeah yep awesome guy awesome guy and we're uh stuck with him for a while longer Congrats to everyone involved in that last campaign. Um, Okay, so this is (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna read this awesome article, which I actually think ties in a little bit to like what we were talking about because it's also just fun. I need something fun to laugh at. Uh, Opinion: If if sorry, Washington Post uh, by the editorial board. (laughs) It's been a good week for editorial boards. Um, Opinion: If attitudes don't shift, a political dating mismatch will threaten marriage. (laughs) great eye stock photo on this one too by the way ideological polarization is now a mainstay of american politics millions of young americans will go home this thanksgiving and find themselves in an uncomfortable situation with relatives especially uncles apparently who love former president donald trump hate uncle magic baby or think the january 6 2021 capital insurrection had very fine people on both sides In some ways, polarization is exactly what one would expect in a large, unwieldy democracy such as the United States. Americans no longer agree on many questions of how to live or what to live for. These differences can't just be papered over through good faith dialogue because they are real. The problem with polarization, though, is that it has effects well beyond the political realm, and these can be difficult to anticipate. One example is the collapse of American marriage. A growing number of young women are discovering that they can't find suitable male partners. As a, as a whole, men are increasingly struggling with or suffering from higher unemployment, lower rates of educational attainment, more drug addiction and deaths of despair, and generally less purpose and direction in their lives. But it's not just that. There's a growing ideological divide too. Since Mr. Trump's election in 2016, the percentage of single women ages 18 to 30 who identify as liberal has shot up from slightly over 20% to 32%. Young men have not followed suit. If anything, they have grown more conservative. This ideology gap is particularly pronounced among Gen Z white people. According to major New Year, Year American, Enter, uh, excuse me, American Enterprise Institute survey, 46% of white G- Gen Z women are liberal compared to only 20% of white Gen Z men, more of whom 36% now identify as conservative. Norms around sexuality and gender are diverging too, whereas 61% of Gen Z women see themselves as feminist, and only 43% of Gen Z men do. It is a little surprise that the manfluencers, particularly those such as British American kickboxer, influencers, uh, <laughs> Andrew Tate, who promote outright misogyny, and he also is a sex trafficker. Yeah, so. he, he's also... I don't even think that's like, alleged anymore. I think no, he actually, he likes, he's like under house arrest for it right now. Is he in America or is he in Romania? 
I don't know where. I think it's still in Romania. He, he's uh, still wanted in the UK for rape. Too. Wait, he's British? Yeah. I thought he was Romanian. Yeah, he's no, British. he's British. He had to flee the UK because he's facing. What is rape his accent? There. Why is his accent so weird? I don't know. Man. Okay, anyway, uh, have their biggest following among boys and young men. Uh, in another era, political or ideological differences might have had less impact on marriage rates, but increasingly the political was personal. A 2021 survey of college students found that 71% of Democrats would not date someone with opposing views. There is some logic to this marriage across religious or political lines. If either partner considers those things to be central to their identity, like caring about people and stuff can be associated with lower levels of life satisfaction and politics oh. is becoming more central to people's identity. Hold on a second. You mean you want to have your life partner share a lot of your moral points? It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Mind blowing. <laughs> no, I mean, it also speaks to this. I mean, what it speaks to as well too is like on the male side, you see that it's a very atomized view of life because like they're distant, they have no real structure or structure in their life anymore. And then like a lot of that's probably capitalism's fault. Yeah. And like on the female side, a lot of that is self-preservation. Yep. Like, especially after Roe fell and everything like that too. Like I'll, the understanding why like white gen, like Gen Z women won't like date or marry like conservative men has more to do with the fact that if they're not going to respect their autonomy exactly yeah if if they don't believe that the state should give them rights they're not going to think that they deserve rights either i mean how how many times have we talked about like one of the bases and like one of the, one of the big problems with conservatives or conservatives and conservativism is like just the absolute either refusal or the confusion like they just don't know how to recognize people's just basic humanity yeah yeah, that's like, not gonna. That's not gonna do you a whole lot of favors. Like, wh and what are we like comparing dating. here, right? Because like, okay, the Gen Z girl uh, believes in exactly what you just said, Jordan. Body autonomy, uh, probably rights for like trans people, gay people, and uh, they see the potential opposition or Gen Z white men or boys or whatever they are right now. Um, like, what if? <laughs> What could be taken away from them that, that that like like maybe guns at a max that like the 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 Gen Z girl believes? Right? I mean, like, assuming this is a heterosexual situation here, like I, what I, I, the Gen Z boys, what do they stand to lose here? <laughs> and like the Gen Z girls have a lot more. It's well, just the solidifying of the same old hierarchies that always were. Like right. I mean, and, and that's always been very harmful to women. Now that too, like Michael Parenti, like one of my favorite quotes of his was like uh um the patriarchy is the cornerstone of fascism like yeah you have to have that in, in order to subjugate and control women and i mean and gen z doesn't want that especially when there's a lot more on this on the line now than there used to be well and you know we've talked about this this phrase already but there is just like there seems to be such a cop-out now and so much plausible deniability when it comes to people on the right where you know, anything they don't like, it's either socialism or like, oh, I can't date this girl. She's too woke or like all of these little catchphrases and buzzwords that just end up being excuses for being a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no there's no like there doesn't seem to be any like self-awareness or self-reflection 
there's just a built-in excuse now because everything is such a culture war, including yeah. including dating. And I mean, that's every sort of like trad account too. It's like, right. you know, life used to be so much better when, you know, they had leaded gasoline and you could just cook Oscar Mayer wieners with your, uh, with um, your kids and your wife that I'll never have. And you could just, you know, like, yeah, slap your wife at a diner and nobody would say anything. Yeah. And I, 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 I always like to test this type of thing. Like politics is becoming more central to people's identity. Like that's how Spencer Cox talks about it too. Like right. as if it's just yes. dealing sports teams or whatever, like this, this word we use politics, the way, the way it's like, kind of like, Oh, it's this kind of, existential thing that exists and we're just kind of like picking sides arbitrarily and it's like oh i just have these kind of loosely held beliefs against your team's loosely held beliefs when it's like exactly what you were saying jordan it's like no these are like intrinsic things that are at stake and these are people's body autonomy that's at stake that's people's like literal human rights are at stake here and people's ability to live an actual like fruitful life like yeah i guess if you we can classify all those things as politics but some people like to pretend like that's something that's just kind of outside yourself and it's something that we just kind of pay attention to like it's a show on netflix or something like politics is just the a type of assigned consumerism which is i mean a lot for a lot of people it may be that but for a a more conscious generation of people it's very much not that like especially in the time of like a post row era it's it's insane to continually frame it like that this mismatch means that someone will need to compromise. As the researchers Lyman Stone and Brad Wilcox have noted, about one in five young, young singles will have little choice but to marry someone outside their ideological tribe. The other option is that they decline to get married at all, not an ideal outcome considering the data showing that marriage is good for the health of societies and individuals alike. This, of course, is on average marriage isn't for everyone. Nor is staying in a physically or emotionally abusive marriage ever the right choice. Thank you for that caveat there. Now, considering that those two researchers, one is for American Enterprise Institute, <clears throat> and the other one is that professor from Southern Virginia University that does yeah, a lot awesome. of stuff for the church and everything, I wonder which way they want to push people. Yeah. Exactly. Can't imagine. But on the whole, while politically mixed couples report the somewhat lower levels of satisfaction than same-party couples, they are still likely to be happier than those who remain single. The marriage dilemma reflects a broader and so- broader societal one. Whether people can find ways to adapt to a new normal of ideological and political polarization, instead of hoping against all evidence that it will uh, that it will dissipate. Unfortunately, Americans have not equipped themselves to discuss, debate, and reason across these divides. Americans have increasingly sorted themselves into ideological orientation. They are working, living, and socializing with people who think the same things they do. Particularly on college campuses, a culture of seeking sameness has set up young Americans for disappointment. Oh, it always they, comes back to fucking campuses. I swear. Every like, yes, time. every, every, single, every time. single time. Th- these guys people... are so fucking mad that like college students don't respect them the way they should. Like, I'm a big tough professor, and my college students don't <clears throat> think that they they need to start emails with sir. And I don't understand why it's like that. Yeah. Um. The. They expect people to share their own uh, convictions and commitments, but people's insight and understanding about the world often come from considering alternative perspectives that they may, may at first seem odd or offensive or their lived experience, but whatever. Uh, Gen Z is still relatively young and the Trump era divisions between single men and women might yet reverse themselves, but there's a good chance they won't, particularly if Mr. Trump manages to inject the body politic with his distinct brand of existential dread during and after the 2024 elections. It's worth thinking about 
or it's worth thinking both ahead of and beyond Mr. Trump. A cultural shift might be necessary, one that views politics as a part of people's identity, but far from the most important part. Americans' ability to live together, quite literally, might depend on it. So, Anecdotally, I'm curious what you guys think about uh, transitions that you've seen from like people that you knew when you were younger as they've gotten married or gone into relationships. Have they tend have people in your life tended to get more conservative or more quote liberal as they well, put it? I mean, like it depends because like older people, the, the the way that it used to work too is like, well, you get more conservative when you're older yeah. too. That was because they had some sort of nest egg to go off of, right? Because that was the generation that had home ownership that actually had like equity that they could dig into for retirement and things like that i'm seeing the opposite nowadays Me because too. there's people yeah, absolutely and fuck trump it's not about trump i don't think what so it's either. about is the fact is like there's an entire generation multiple generations now that are going to feel the very brunt of economic immiseration for the entirety of their life you know and like i i have both of you by a a, a few years and I distinctly remember, you know, casting my my vote for Obama, who, you know, at this point is just like the bastion of, of liberalism and is still like the Democratic Party's number one guy, you know, and he he campaigned on this whole like hope and change kind of populist rhetoric. Uh, and then none of it came to fruition. And I think a lot of people my age feel pretty betrayed by that, you know, and especially when, when he, he had a, a, a super majority and we kept hearing about healthcare and what we ended up getting uh, was a blank check to insurance companies. And he continued the war in Iraq and like really didn't deliver on a, on a single thing. And I think you're seeing uh, people realize that a lot of that was a hoax. And while you see some people like drifting more to the right, I see like anecdotally personally seeing a lot more people moving even further to the left and being like, this is not like the two party system is not what it's, you know, was supposedly cracked up to be. And like, there's some real changes that need to happen because we, you know, like a lot of, of previous generations lived pretty, pretty high on the hill and we're getting, we're getting stuck with the bill and that's pretty fucking, that means it's making people pretty bitter. Yeah. Yeah, man. <clears throat> but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I've, I, I agree, Jordan. I've seen like a, the opposite seem to take place. Um, and it certainly like all of these con- <laughs> This this article, this framing, I continue to really just hate the way they frame politics again as like this weird, like personal choice that like is not impact by material conditions like it. It's it's like everything that's happening to people like the the like economically, you know, societally, the, the rights that are taken away, whatever. It's like completely devoid of of. It's, it's just completely unrecognized by by whatever article angle this is. And Spencer Cox talks about it in the exact same way. Yeah. And everything else where it's just like it's like there's this gigantic elephant in the room that like all of these people seem to just completely ignore. And I it's mean, I don't even know if it's necessarily people are going more, quote, liberal or whatever. But you're, you are. And, and I think that this is a problem that both the Democrats and Republicans have. You like people are just getting alienated from politics. Yes. Like, yeah, absolutely. More. 
and I know we had like more people vote for Joe Biden and and Donald Trump in this last ele- uh, the last election, but it's like uh, as far as like regular engagement with like partisan politics, and I think this has gotten even worse. It's probably gotten considerably worse since the Joe Biden Donald uh, Donald Trump election. Um, but like you're gonna have a hard time getting people to come out for Joe Biden next year. So yeah. like I don't know if it's necessarily a polarization between parties like they would like to make it seem. Uh, this liberal conservative thing. It's like, you're getting people to just like not care. Yeah. <laughs> most I think there's like a lot of just, yeah. just straight up despair at this point. I, I see this weird thing. Like what, what I like, again, anecdotal evidence is that like, I have seen people in a lot of people in my life that like, you know, were more like libertarian or conservative kids in like high school or like early college. And have gotten a lot more like progressive or like pretty outright socialist with the, what they believe, but have zero interest in like caring or engaging with anything uh, like partisan politics wise, which I think is, is interesting to me because like there are like, I, I, for example, could have like had a lot easier time selling like someone like Bernie Sanders to all of these friends, yeah. these libertarian socialists, what or uh, libertarian conservative People like I have a very much easier time selling them on like the Socialist Rifle Association <laughs> than like I do the Democratic Party. You know, like right. there's, yeah. there's like someone if there's like people that are speaking to material concerns of people that works in my experience when talking to people. But when I say, you know, like Joe Biden, if I were to try to sell Joe Biden on any of these people like that doesn't that doesn't work. It, there, it, it doesn't work. There is a reason why the one person who got elected four times to the presidency was like running on like bankers hate me, but fuck them. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, 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 it's pretty fascinating. But again, like these forces that make people feel the way they do seem to be completely ignored. <laughs> like that article didn't I, mention anything that's happened or, well, I mean, of course not. If you're like a researcher for the American enterprise Institute, you're probably going to avoid historical materialism, right? Because that's yeah. very harmful to any case you're going to make. It's, it, it's just so insane. How, like that people just write this stuff, man. And can just completely like, I don't even know what type of worldview that is. It's, it's one that comes from, like complete uh financial security i guess like beyond a shadow of a doubt like i have no idea it is just privilege though i mean that's why you see like politics the way they are with like older generations is that they're completely they're the ones who drive themselves insane on cable news because they can afford to just watch cable news for 20 hours a day yeah and so like i mean that's why it kind of Peter's out that way too. It, that's why it is team politics for them too, because they, they got in early and they were able to survive off it. The rest of us don't necessarily have that. Yeah. So we engage with politics in an entirely different way than this generation does. Yeah. You know, there's a part of me that's a little jealous of people who can just go through their entire lives without paying attention to anything. You know, like the type of people who can just go to work for eight hours and come home and they like, turn on friends and you know eat i don't know some bullshit and they're just <laughs> happy and just like i don't know there's a part of me that really wishes that were the case and i wasn't so cynical about absolutely everything yeah and just completely brain poisoned 
That would be really nice. <laughs> I, it, it, it could be, it could be cool to not. I, I saw like, so what, like, what I hate about I the Washington Post being people, a <laughs> What I hate about the the editorial boards this this type of stuff is that like they, you know, the claim is that they care, and like the claim is that like that they are like invested in all of this stuff, but then they keep a distance from what actually like seems to actually influence how people feel um, and these divides that take place. But who knows, man. It'll probably be fine. <laughs> yeah, nothing ever happened. Nothing was ever bad with like a heavily armed and an alienated nation. I mean, just don't watch the news. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did see something funny the other day, too, where it's like YouTube TV had like that quad thing, except for like it was with every cable news channel. Oh, which, oh which no. Like what, awesome. they do, what they do for like college football Saturday when they <laughs> yes, have four but, games but, going on. But news channels. But, but it's just like Rachel Maddow. Oh. Which and, to me feels is like dangerous, like putting a shotgun tube right up to a, like a, a elderly person's head and just like loading oh, that around, is That so. is the chugging really 4C4s of cable news Dude, instead of doing like the quad thing they should just get like a nfl style whip around show like red zone or whatever and they just like they like go into the broadcast for a little bit and then pull back to like a panel and then they go to a different like channel. Oh, oh, man, that would be awesome 900 milligrams of yeah. cable news Dude, I'm just like sitting there we with a have, beer, we have a beer hat with title. two C4s <laughs> in the side of it, and I'm just going mainline right to my gullet. Yeah, dude, like the beer, the beer can headset, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just Tucker Carlson's Twitter show and Rachel that's right. Maddow. That's perfect, man. <laughs> that's balance right there. You know, that's that that's, is that is fair and balance right there. Ladies that and is gentlemen. listening to the other side, and that is the highest virtue that we can have in politics, according to this article. We need to learn how to disagree better. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, any any final thoughts, guys? Uh, happy. I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. We're in the post. We're in the post Thanksgiving era of November. So. Uh, hope that's going well for everyone. Again, Dude, hang out. I, I cooked. 12th. I cooked tripe tip instead of turkey this year. Congrats! So Love much better. Tip. Why would I? Why I have not been doing that for the last I don't know twenty years since I've been an adult is beyond. It's a lot me. of wasted years. I'm of the I'm of the opinion that I think it's good to have a turkey there, but I also think it should be so, like you should have other meat options just to remind you that I think that's fair. Turkey's pretty mid. Yeah. It is exceptionally mid. The problem is in order for Turkey to be good, you gotta be, you gotta be doing a, it's like a lot, a lot of effort. Really, really. I've had some, I I have a buddy that made, we had a Friendsgiving. He made like the best turkey I've ever had, but I was, I knew that he started like two days in advance and he used like all these different like techniques and he has these, all these tools. You have to have like thousands of dollars of equipment to have a good turkey. (laughs) And that's just not worth it. Yeah. I I I just went to provisions and that was wonderful. Oh, dude, such a good restaurant. Nice. Nice work. They did a special Thanksgiving thing. I just brought the family in for that. No cooking, no cleaning. Oh, smart man just got in and out and done and it was a great day oh, yeah so smart that is that, that's that's a good way to do that we did that one year when i was a kid i can't remember where we went but it was it was kind of fun going somewhere on on thanksgiving um but yeah the 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 effort required for good turkey just isn't worth it but i hope everyone had a good a, hopefully semi non-eventful thanksgiving mine was mine was pretty chill um but yeah anyway we Good will stuff. see yeah thank you everyone for listening uh 
join join the Patreon if you'd like. Come hang out at Acme Bar. You can fly in for it if you're one of our out-of-state listeners. You really should. I'll give you two uh, decals for that. Two decals. Um, Jordan will take you to Provisions. They go there on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I can take you sightseeing to the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City places that they go because <laughs> I'll give you a tour of Gilgal Gardens. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm in a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City group chat with uh, with MJ and Nick from uh, Hell yeah. yeah! How are they? I haven't talked to them in a minute. Good. Well, good. I basically, I think they're good, but we just talked about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So uh, That's, I, I gotta start watching that show. No, you don't. You really don't. But <laughs> yes, I do, Kyle. All right, I started I, I'm watching still gonna Justified do an episode with MJ rules. and Nick. Um. Well, maybe I'll do that after the, I'll recap this season with them. We're almost at the end. Listen, the all I've got at this point is how much like Real Housewives of Salt Lake affects like the University of Utah's like secondary now. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> well, technically, I mean, his wife's just in prison, so I don't know how much more he can really do. Like, great about that. distraction removed a cancer from the <laughs> locker room. We're moving on. Next man up. Um, crazy how we just like dodged all involvement of, of those uh, federal charges, but shout out to Coach Shaw, man. He did the race. He's, um, he's a lawyer. He knows what he's doing. I love it. Good for him. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. He probably helped himself, though. That's right. See you next time. Bye.